With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. This is your host, Owen Reese, uh, coming back from a somewhat lengthy hiatus. It's been about two weeks or so since we did our last podcast, two and a half maybe. Uh, And uh, nothing, uh, no real reason for the hiatus other than just hasn't been a lot going on. Uh, Summer's been getting busy. Uh, That's on on me. Going to definitely try to be a bit more diligent getting these podcasts out. We're going to try for one a week here. Moving towards fall camp, uh, we're going to hit position previews and uh, try to keep abreast with all the recruiting news um, in in football and basketball. Um, So, uh, without any further ado, kind of catching up on what's been going on over the past, I don't know, three weeks or so, two and a half, three weeks. Um, Obviously, we're getting getting closer to college football season, which is always good, Uh, and, and there's a lot of... Uh, preseason watch lists and and postseason award watch lists and all conference lists and conference player of the year predictions and projections and all that good stuff uh, and and really the big one that we've seen is Jonathan Taylor is in about all of them uh, I know Sports Illustrated I believe listed him as the preseason big uh, Big Ten offensive player of the year I know he was just listed to the Doak Walker Award watch list. I believe as well it was in the Maxwell Award watch list. I could be wrong on that, but so um, obviously a very talented player and a very accomplished player already uh, getting his due. So seeing a lot of that um, thus far, obviously a very deserving player in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the other thing that uh, maybe could probably be its, its own podcast, really, but uh, the one thing is that uh, over the past month or so. Uh, the Badgers had a bit of a, a slew of recruiting wins between Malik Reed and Jordan Turner, and they got Deacon Hill, the quarterback for the 2021 class. They've had a couple walk-ons here recently, Jack Van Dyke, a kicker from Nina, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as a long snapper, I believe his name is Duncan McKinney. Don't quote me on that because I've been wrong before. Um as we are very professional on the podcast. Um, but they had a walk-on long snapper from Eau Claire Memorial. Um, get this pulled up here. Duncan McKinley, excuse me. Um, Duncan McKinley from Eau Claire Memorial. Uh, took a, a preferred walk-on spot as a long snapper for UW, which obviously long snapper news 
walk-on long snapper news at that. Uh, always very exciting, but uh, definitely something, though, to keep an eye on, and it's been something that since Paul Chris has been the head coach, it's been a, a concentrated effort that special teams isn't uh, lost track of. Uh, you know, obviously they've had, they've used scholarships on Anthony Lottie and, um, you know, Gaglianone. Uh, they took on, on Adam Bay, the long snapper, a couple years ago. Uh, special teams certainly not lost on the Badgers coaches, and it's been prioritized. Uh, getting those guys, especially walk-ons, uh, in-state is always good. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things where you can never have too many good special team players. You know, our Jack Van Dyke or Duncan McKinley, uh, sexy names or exciting pickups? Absolutely not. But, you know, in the event that they contribute, the best thing that you can do as a special teams is kind of be in the back of your mind, right? Because when you're, especially in that special teams unit, uh, in that, that long snapper battery with either a holder, or, you know, on a punt, uh, you know, stuff like that, the only time you get brought up is when you screw up. So um, obviously good to, to keep those in-state kids in that capacity, uh, and you can never have too many good ones at that. So um, good to see those commits, but I kind of back on track or back on topic here. Excuse me. Uh, kind of been like I said, there was that slew of of commitments and wins on the the trail, but recently there's been quite a few. Um, I don't know if I'd call them losses, but certainly things that didn't go UW's way. They lost Daniel Jackson, a wide receiver recruit from Kansas. Uh, he ended up committing to Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin was thought to be a favorite there at, at one time. Uh, former high school teammate of Graham Mertz uh, was a bit of a. It wasn't a surprise, I guess, but certainly something that um, I think Wisconsin fans probably had to feel pretty decent about that uh, recruiting process, and, and obviously didn't go their way. Parker Washington, another guy who was officially visited Wisconsin in early June, he ended up committing to Penn State. Uh, so that was a bit of a loss there, and uh, as well as as one of the the bigger recruits, or I know a huge priority of UW was Nash Hutmacher, uh, a D lineman from South Dakota, eventually committed to Nebraska uh, over Wisconsin, which is what it is. Uh, you know, obviously staying closer to home that way, and it's it was a big loss for for the Badgers. Um, I know he was their top D line. Recruit uh, would have fit in perfectly at UW as that nose tackle, big physical kid. Uh, but it is what it is, so he'll be a uh, Cornhusker now. Uh, and Wisconsin got us to move forward with, with the recruiting board the way it is. It's been pretty quiet. Uh, they're in a uh, one of the dead periods right now, so there hasn't been much uh, as far as the football side. I know they're talking about uh, Badgers still pursuing wide receivers, obviously looking for a second receiver in this class to pair with Chimere DK. Still waiting on Caden Johnson, uh, the outside linebacker from Minnesota. I think he's probably, arguably, the top target they've still they're still looking to get. Uh, Cam Large, tight end from Massachusetts as well. So, um, two big names to keep an eye on here is um, you know recruiting looks to heat back up during the season, and uh, so just kind of um, you know kind of the peaks and the valleys of recruiting, especially for a school like UW. Uh, you, you know they they got their wins, um, but but not long after that, you're certainly able to, to have some losses on the trail as well. So um, moving forward from that, we're going to take a look. Uh, we're going to do a little combo episode here for the camp season previews. 
Um, we're going to hit both quarterbacks and running backs today, two of the smaller positions, and should be able to get these out of the way. Um, and then, we'll, like I said, trying to hit about one position per week moving forward here. Um, so, obviously, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Uh, it's, you know, there's been plenty of ballyhoo and, um, you know, talk, projections, guesses, predictions, fanfare, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it's, we saw last year what happened to the Badger offense when the quarterback play wasn't great. Uh, you know, Alex Hornerbrook, for all of his faults, uh, was, I'm sure, not as consistent as he would have liked to have been. Uh, I think that's something that I, I try to stress quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't play at the D, D1 level, um, but I don't care how disappointed you are. You know, if you're watching the game on a Saturday night, having a couple beers with your buddies, nobody is more disappointed when they don't perform well than the athletes are. Uh, so regardless of your feelings of Alex Hornerbrook, you know, how he's played ever really, um, you know, these players put a lot of pressure on themselves. And, and like I said, they, they're more disappointed in how they play when they play poorly than you are. Um, you know, just kind of something to keep in mind, but we saw, uh, last year, obviously the offense was a bit limited. Um, when, when the quarterback play is lacking, uh, you had between Hornerbrook, um, you know, not playing great anyways, and then the injuries, uh, and then you saw Jack Cohn kind of being thrown into the fire and uh, played fairly well against Purdue um, in, in Miami, struggled against Northwestern and Penn State, and, and you saw those, those games got pretty ugly at times. So obviously more experience is, is obviously better for the quarterback position. Cohn, I think, should be the projected starter heading into camp. Uh, he had the most reps in spring. Um, you know, obviously a lot of these guys, Mertz and Chase Wolf in particular, it was their first spring. Uh, kind of a an important time uh, for a lot of those guys to to kind of get their feet wet and, and take chances and and all that good stuff. So um, I think Jack Cohn is the the odds-on favorite. I think he is, he's entering camp as the starter. I think, or at least the favorite to win the position. Uh, I would be shocked if, in some capacity, Jack Cohn doesn't start football games this year. And uh, you know, he's, he'll be a a true junior. Um, and he's a kid that I think it's also important too that like. So it gets talked about a lot that in in a particular in contrast to Alex Hornerbrook, that Jack Cohn is a good athlete. He. Um, you know, was a, a lacrosse recruit. I, th I believe he was at one point committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. Uh, so obviously a talented kid. And you saw that he had a nice naked bootleg on uh, near the goal line against Miami, and could kind of see that his that athleticism exhibited. However, there's a big difference between quarterbacks being athletic and quarterbacks playing athletic. Um, and that's something that with, with Jack Cohn, I think is lost. I think there's a, a thought that he's, he should run or he should be a scrambler because he can run. Um, and that's not, you know, you hear about that dual threat, I, not one time last year, other than that, that bootleg that I really see Jack Cohn look to threaten the defense with his legs. So, um, you know, keep that in mind just because he is an athletic kid doesn't mean he uses that athleticism, uh, as a part of him playing the quarterback position a lot. Uh, so just kind of something to, to think about there as well. Um, so that's that's Cone. Uh, obviously played, like I say, played well um, against Purdue and, and in the bowl game against Miami. 
Uh, obviously, he took his lumps against uh, against Northwestern and, and uh, Penn State. Excuse me. Um, so it'll be curious to see. I, I think he's a. He's, I think you'd probably know what you're getting with Cone, and I think that he'll continue to improve. Obviously, with more experience, he's got a good arm, and as we mentioned, has some athleticism. Could be uh, looked to use in some of that read option game, play action bootlegs. Uh, you know, naked bootlegs. Get him on the move. Move the pocket. Probably a more beneficial option for him than it was for Hornerbrook. Uh, but moving forward, you know, I've like I said, Cone, we kind of know what we're getting here. Um, the next, we don't really know what we're getting yet, and that's what's enticing about it. It's Graham Mertz. Uh, I shouldn't have to tell you too much about him. He's a four-star recruit. Uh, was an Elite 11 player, uh, the quarterback, um, the highest-rated quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history. Uh, comes with a lot of fanfare. Uh, very, like I said, very highly recruited young man, um, and the hype train's at full speed right now. Uh, you know, obviously he's he's going to come in. I think he's going to compete for the starting position with Jack Cohn. I think that fall camp will go a long way if he's able to start hot. Uh, it would not surprise me if he's able to to at least, the very least, push that competition farther than Cohn or probably. Um, Paul Christ are either expecting or would like. Uh, I think that the spring was extremely beneficial for Mertz. I think if he was coming in as a uh, as a freshman, first time on campus in June, I think he'd be in trouble. I don't think there'd be a chance that he would have an opportunity to start week one. But I think with him being there in spring and being able to kind of test those boundaries and become familiar with the formations and the shifts and personnel groupings and calling the play in the huddle and being able to get to the line of scrimmage and make run checks and make protection checks is a huge deal and uh, gives him a, a lot better opportunity to to compete for that starting position in camp. Uh, he's very, obviously very talented. You saw him in the All-Star high school All-Star game. I'm not going to put over his, his stats too big. In that game, he hit a couple bubble screens, short passes, and the receivers did the rest, which isn't his fault, certainly. Um, you know, but but undeniably, you know, five touchdown passes in an All Star game, uh, certainly impressive. And uh, he's, I think he has the opportunity. I don't think he has the strongest arm. I don't think he's the most athletic, but I think he possesses a different skill set than any other quarterback that Wisconsin can throw out there. And I think that's something that has to be enticing. Like I said, it's that the the intrigue of the unknown. You know, he's he's got all this fanfare, he's got all this publicity, and it could certainly well be warranted. But we just don't know. Uh, so I think that's going to be an exciting thing. I think that in Graham Mertz's position, I would be shocked if he doesn't play four games in 2019. Even if Jack Cohn comes out and sets the world on fire and doesn't throw a pick all camp and throws 30 touchdowns and just looks immaculate, I think, especially with this new redshirt rule, Wisconsin did a very good job of taking advantage of it last year. I'd be shocked if Graham Mertz doesn't play in four games this year. Uh, I think probably the best-case scenario for Mertz is that he and Cohn split time in the first four weeks. And after four weeks, the Badgers are able to decide whether or not they want to take the training wheels off and really let the offense roll with Graham Mertz, 
or if they decided to, to redshirt him and enroll with Cohen the rest of the year. Anyways, uh, I think that's probably a potential option. Uh, at least through the first three weeks, week four is Matt, uh, Michigan in Madison, I believe. And that's going to be a, um, you know, if they continue that, that's that's nut cutting time for for the Badgers. Actually, I, I take that back. Week three, or game three, week four, Badgers host Michigan in Camp Randall, uh, followed the next week by hosting Northwestern in Camp Randall. So certainly... Far from gimme games, you'll have those first two games. South Florida, I expect to be a tough matchup as well. But then you have Central Michigan week two. I think that's probably your best bet for uh, maybe more quote-unquote garbage time or productive time for Mertz to really kind of get extended looks. But obviously, you know, game three, boom, hosting Michigan. They're going to have uh, they're going to be highly ranked. They've got a lot of. Uh, a lot of hype behind them this year with new offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis coming over from Alabama. I think obviously Michigan's going to really make it up and make a, a move here to a more modern looking offense, uh, which you can feel either way about. But with the level of talent that they have on that roster, I think that's probably the best bet for them. Uh, so, I mean, obviously with Mertz, there's a lot of clouded outlook here, but um, obviously the intrigue as well, and it's it's certainly well warranted. So. It would be going extremely interesting to see how that goes. It's a bit of uncharted water for Paul Christ. Paul Christ has known who the starting quarterback is going to be uh, in camp the last, well, the first four years he was in Madison. Uh, right away he, he announced Stavi as the starting quarterback for 2015, and then it was Bart Houston for 2016, and obviously Hornerbrook took over a few weeks into that. But, um, you know, and then obviously the last two years, it's been Alex Hornerbrook definitively as the starting quarterback heading into camp. So with that, like I said, it's a bit of uncharted territory here, which I think is good. I think that's an opportunity for growth and for progress in the coaching staff as well as the quarterback position. So um, obviously <clears throat> you're not going to spend quite as much time on the last two. Uh, the, the guy I think probably pretty widely regarded as the third quarterback is Danny Vandenboom. He's a big kid from Kimberly, uh, like six foot five around 200 pounds, probably has the weakest arm uh, in the room, but he he's really good. Like he knows what he's capable of. He's, he's not going to push the boundaries a ton, uh, but he's not going to make many bad decisions. He's going to put the ball where it needs to go uh, and give an opportunity for his guys to make plays. Uh, operates well within the confines of the offense, uh, which I think can be undervalued at times. Uh, but so Vandenboom, I don't really expect to compete for the starting job, but certainly uh, a kid who I believe has thrown one career pass and it was for a touchdown to Taj Mustafa last year uh, against New Mexico. So a kid who at the very least has taken snaps in Division One football and, um, you know, like I said, I might have an opportunity in some of these games to play. I don't think the worst thing in the world would be him coming in, obviously, uh, if he has if he's forced into action or has to play. Going to be a very run-heavy approach, I believe, but Vandenboom, someone that will be a redshirt sophomore, uh, has continued to develop under Christ, and, and I think that uh, the Badgers are going to be finally in a position to have some legitimate depth at the quarterback position. Like I said, Danny Vandenboom may never play a significant time. He's no NFL prospect by any means, but, but certainly a guy who will be a veteran around the program who's been around and will have multiple years under Christ in this system. Um, and then the last guy is Chase Wolf, who uh, is a bit of a wild card. 
Uh, he's the probably the strongest arm of all the quarterbacks, and is um, decidedly the most athletic uh, as well. He's, he's a scrambler. He likes to improvise, kind of play some schoolyard ball, make things happen, and uh, which is is another uh, intriguing thing as well. I think typically when you think of quarterbacks that Paul Christ recruits, you think of the pocket passer, passer, excuse me, the statuesque, um, you know, limited guy who who isn't always going to you know be the most improvisational or or to to kind of play off the cuff like that um you know obviously but we saw when when the Badgers had Russell Wilson you know what that type of quarterback is able to do in Chris's offense so something with Wolf I don't know what his future looks like obviously with Graham Mertz probably being in front of him you've got a younger guy who's in front of you, which is always tough. Um, I don't know if he would ever potentially transfer or anything like that, but it provides an enticing and intriguing skill set to the quarterback room, like I said, that the other three really don't have, is that ability to scramble and, and use his athleticism to to stress the defense um, You know, as a passer and as a runner, um, and as the ability to extend plays with his legs. So, Chase Wolf, I think a guy who will greatly benefit from like another season because last year he came in, he didn't enroll early, so really last year fall camp was completely, um, you know, he was diving into the deep end right away. So I think having spring this year and and some camp time this year, I think will be a good chance for him to really continue to grow and kind of continue to evaluate uh, where he will be at um, in camp. So. We're going to take a short break here. I uh, got a little more long-winded than I expected. We're going to take a short break. We're going to talk about the running backs when we come back, um, as well as, as a mailbag question and, and some more stuff regarding Big Ten Media Days. So hang on just a second. Uh, we're going to take a break here, and we got to pay some bills, and we will be right back. Time on it. Jonathan Taylor is the Badgers' offense. You know, he's ran for over 4,000 yards in his first two years. He set the NCAA record for yards in a season for both freshman and sophomore running backs uh, in each of his, his first two years. He's incredible, man. He's going to be, uh, you know, at the very least, probably like a second round pick, uh, depending on how the NFL wants to value running backs that aren't super involved in the pass game. Uh, he's like a track, he's track fast. He's a big dude. He's like 220 pounds. He's tough, but he runs smooth. And he's, he's, he's the straw that stirs the drink for the Badgers. If, if he's not, um, you know, if the if the run game isn't going, the Badgers aren't. So at least I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he gets talked about quite enough, and, and, and deservedly so. Um, but we got some other players here that I want to talk about um, heading at the running back position heading into fall camp. So moving on from that, uh, there's two different ways to kind of like think about the the Badgers running back depth chart because they use their backs in like pretty specific ways, right? So. Taylor and Taiwan Deal were like the base package backs last year, and then Garrett Groshek is the third down back, and you saw that quite a bit. Um, you know when Corey Clement would would be the base package guy, and they would bring in Daria Gumbawale as the third down back, uh, and it's kind of a 
you know, the Badgers have been fairly predictable at times by personnel, uh, and I think that'll probably continue just because of who they are and, and the coaching staff uh, remaining the same. So while I don't think that Garrett Groshek uh, will get many looks in the base package, he is that third down back, and to me, he's going to be on the field more than the other base package backs. So let's start with him. So obviously, he'll be a redshirt junior this year. Um, you know, he's the, he's that pass protecting back. He's the third running, third down running back. He's a good guy on screens and draws. Uh, obviously not the stuff, the most athletic guy, but he's very heady. He's very smart, shows a lot of football savvy and ability in the open field. Really. He's tough to bring down. He runs hard. He has good leg drive. Um, like I said, really not going to run away from many people, but, but, uh, a, a, a challenging person for the defense to, to account for, uh, like I said, is, has a lot of different uses. Is the best pass protector of the group, um, and, and he's a guy that you know, he's that's the Wisconsin model. He's a walk-on. He was a quarterback in high school. Uh, he was a high school teammate of Tyler Biotish, and has just found a way. Has made himself very difficult to take off the field, um, and has been extremely dependable uh, in in almost any situation that the Badger coaching staff has asked of him. So he's a guy, to me, I think he's going to get a ton of time. I think he's going to be a guy that, as always, is, is underappreciated a bit, uh, but but will be rock solid for the Badgers yet again. So that brings us to uh, the base package backs, like I said, the, the kind of the Taiwan deal uh, role from last year. And I think there's two guys that are going to split some time there. So first is Bradrick Shaw, which... Um, one very happy for Bradrick to to be back in the in the mix here on the field. Uh, he missed the entire 2018 season after tearing his ACL at Minnesota in the 2017 season. The game the Badgers wanted to go 12 and 0. And Shaw's a guy that, interestingly enough, in 2016 was like thought to be the future of the running back position. Uh, he was the third back behind Agumbawale and, and Corey Clement and. When he would come on the field, good things happened. You know, had a, had a good long run against Akron uh, earlier in that year. Had a touchdown run on a like a 21-yard touchdown run on a split zone concept against Nebraska. That big night game uh, that the Badgers ended up winning. And he's a guy that uh, you know he's a big back. He's a thick back, like six six foot six one, like two fifteen. And he's not a game breaker from the speed department, but he's certainly not slow. And he's a guy that. Like I said, that when the ball was in his hands, good things happened. And before he got usurped by Jonathan Taylor, uh, I believe he ran for almost 100 yards against Utah State uh, in that season opener two years ago and never really did anything wrong. He just kind of got passed up by a future NFL back. So um, I think it'll be good to see Shaw back on the field. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy. Um, and stay fully recovered from these injuries and, and kind of get some, maybe could even get some Taiwan deal type uh, love or, or interest from the NFL with a decent year. Teams know who he is. They just haven't seen much of him in the past two years. So hopefully he's able to stay healthy. The other guy I think really has a chance to get some looks in that base package is Nakia Watson, who's a kid who redshirted last year. He's a big back from Texas, around that 230, 235-pound mark. Uh, one of those guys that was physically ready when he got to Madison, but needed some time. I've seen some uh, some sound bites or some clips from John Settle, kind of discussing his ability to consistently bring it in practice all the time, or really kind of push that push that limit of 
um, you know, continuing to, to prepare and, and practice really hard, uh, you know, while you know you're on the scout team. And so that'll be an interesting thing. I think Watson's probably the most powerful runner the Badgers have on the roster. He said he's a thick guy, and, and we've heard good things, had a good spring. So he could be some of that youth, theoretically, you know, it, it he could be the starter a year from now. Uh, you know, if Jonathan Taylor goes to the NFL, Braddock Shaw's a graduating senior, I don't think Garrett Groshek will ever be that, and it's certainly but no no knock on Garrett Groshek, I just don't think he has the skill set that the Badgers are looking for in a running back in that base package. So while his value is, is certainly there, I just don't know if he'll ever be that starting role back. So Watson really theoretically could be your starting running back in 2020. Um, it, but it'll be interesting to see how he takes advantage of the opportunities he does get this year. I do think that he will get them. Uh, the other running backs on the roster, uh, we have uh, two guys that will be uh, redshirt freshmen. Uh, one is Brady Skipper, a running back from Stoughton, who was moved back to running back for, I was kind of surprised because he played running back at Stoughton and did a lot of good stuff on like outside zone concepts at Stoughton. And at least what we saw through his highlight tapes, which admittedly is a highlight. But the Badgers had him listed as a receiver last year, and I found that kind of interesting. Uh, they moved him back to running back for the spring this year, which I think was probably the right thing to do. And from most reports, played pretty well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he finds a way to, to crack his way into the into that mix as a base package guy or even as a third down back. He has the ability to catch. Obviously, they played him at receiver last year. The other guy is Isaac Garendo, a track dude. He was a former 100-meter champion in the state of Indiana, uh, very fast, was thought to be a receiver coming out of high school, played receiver in high school. The Badgers started him at camp as a running back, eventually moved him to receiver, moved him back to running back for spring. He's a guy I think that they want to get opportunities to get that speed, get the ball in his hands, and uh, admittedly would be still stacked behind a very thick and in de deep wide receiver room. So if you can get Garendo the, the ball uh, more often at the running back position, uh, however, his his skill set is more advantageous. Um, I think it'll be an interesting way to go for that. So um, clearly, it probably is faster than Taylor, I would imagine, um, or at least very close to that. That four four range, um, you know, really that that difference maker speed at the running back position. He's built kind of thick too, uh, which is maybe why they they didn't really quite know uh, which position they were going to play him at. So Garendo, another guy, probably not this year, but next year. Really, a guy to to keep your eye on, um, keep in the back of your mind is that speedster back, uh, and and could have some opportunities to um, to to make some plays and really kind of turn some heads. Uh, probably, like I said, probably not in the 2019 season, but 2020 and beyond uh, has a skill that other guys on the roster don't. So um, we've touched on this a bit earlier. Big time media day is obviously going on in Chicago right now. All the teams are down there. All the teams have three representatives, three player representatives to speak with the media, uh, as well as their head coaches down there. Um, we have a member of Bucky's Fifth Quarter down there as well, our buddy Tyler Hunt. Our correspondent is down in Chicago uh, rubbing elbows and interviewing uh, players and coaches and, and asking the, the, the difficult and you know the must-need questions uh, down in Chicago. So he's doing a great job with that. I'm sure we'll have some stuff on the site up as well. Uh, 
check the Twitter account is at B5Q doing some great job, um, getting some good content, some good, uh, quotes, um, and send some good, uh, interview questions down there. So make sure to check out his stuff. Just a few, um, short things. Um, like, well, I guess one will list the three Badgers down in Chicago, uh, along with Paul, Chris or Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Biotish and Chris Orr. So you've got the Heisman candidate running back, the potential first or second round center and a fifth year linebacker that started people forget this he started the season in 2016 as a starter unfortunately he played one play and tore his ACL and kind of got um, replaced by TJ Edwards and Ryan Conley who are both likely to make NFL rosters this year so certainly no knock on Chris Orr but it'll be really interesting to see how he plays in a full-time role has played in a lot of games played a lot of football as a college football player but hasn't started a game since 2016 to the best of my knowledge I've been wrong before um, or at least hasn't had significant starting time. Um, I take that back. He did start the, the pinstripe bowl this past year, had an interception, was making plays. He's always been a guy that's been around the football, got on the field quite a bit as a true freshman under Dave Aranda. Uh, I believe he came in, I believe it was Leon Jacobs, got a targeting foul against Troy in 2015 uh, in just the second or third coach or game under Paul Christ. And... Uh, Chris Orr came in and had like 10 tackles in, in, um, in relief of Leon Jacobs. And, and that was, uh, that was his chance. And then he parlayed that into a good freshman year, started the first game of his sophomore year, first play towards ACL against LSU. And then here we are now a fifth year senior, the old guy in the room. So Chris Orr is a fascinating kid an awesome interview, uh, very gracious with the media, uh, always full of life and in humor, uh, so I'm sure he'll get some good sound bites down in Chicago and uh, certainly endear himself to the media there. Uh, we did have one mailbag question. Uh, we didn't have much pub on this, so I don't blame you guys for not getting many questions in. We had one question. Uh, I think it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek uh, from our buddy Quentin Lash. Used to be used to work uh, with UW in the football program and the athletics program. Now a master's student at the University of Ohio. Um, and he asks, do running backs matter? So for those of you who are unaware or not on Twitter, he, uh, referring to the, um, there's, I guess, basically two trains of thought. Um, either you're a quote unquote film guy or a football guy or a tape guy, or you're an analytics guy. And, um, you know, the, obviously the analytics, much more math driven, uh, more advanced data, uh, more different ways to look at the game and, and really kind of changing and pushing some of those tested narratives or those old, um, you know, kind of grandfathered in narratives. And their sentiment for the most part is that the running back position is one of the most replaceable positions uh, in football and that it shouldn't be valued very highly due to that uh, and that you shouldn't like invest heavily in the running back position at the NFL level. And uh, obviously coming from Wisconsin, being a Wisconsin fan, very partial to our run game, very partial to the impact that stud running backs can have. Uh, I very much tend to lean towards the yes, running backs do matter. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of the run game, um, having a stud running back, and and using them to their full value. I do think they're very valuable to a team, and I think they're very valuable to an offense. I don't think they're very replaceable. Um, you know, certainly there's a baseline level of ability once you get to the NFL that you need to to be considered there. Uh, you know, but 
But to me, uh, a star running back is something that you can't replace, um, you know, at least fully. You know, if you, I'm sure if you ask Badger fans that, uh, you know, if you said, well, do you think it would matter if you replace Jonathan Taylor with Bradrick Shaw? I'm sure the answer would be yes. I'm sure if you gave Bradrick Shaw the amount of carries that Jonathan Taylor gets, he'll run for 13 or 1400 yards. Um, you know, but but Taylor's going to run for 2000, and that's just that difference. Uh, so to me, uh, yes, I do think running backs matter. Um, like I said, it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question from Quentin Lash, although we do appreciate the question, and we look to get more mailbag questions as we get back to a more consistent podcast schedule here. So to wrap things up, uh, you can find us. Uh, thank you again for listening to Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We very much appreciate your listenership. Um, very thankful to be a part of the SB Nation Team Brands Network as well. They're giving us a, a bigger platform and, and more opportunities. We're very grateful and appreciative of that. So um, if you want to find us, you know, if you enjoy the show, uh, tell your friends, tell your family, download the podcast, uh, undownload it, and then redo it. Subscribe. Uh, leave a five-star review. Anything you can do, it all helps us very much. Um, like I said, tell a friend. Um, tell any Badger fan you know. Um, if you think we do a good job here, if you think that uh, this this podcast is worth your time, uh, make sure to uh, let them know. Uh, they can subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know how we can improve uh, and uh, give you guys what you guys are looking for in a podcast. So uh, you can find us anywhere that you can find podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, you know, or any other, your favorite podcast platform. Uh, again, due to the SB Nation Podcast Team Network, very appreciative to be uh, very visible and, and uh, played able to be played in a lot of avenues. So um, again, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon next week with the wide receivers and probably tight ends, although it might just be wide receivers position preview. Hopefully we'll have some recruiting news by then, as well as um, some more coverage from Big Ten Media Day. So until next time, thank you very much for listening, and as always, on Wisconsin.